Hey, hello and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. The podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to recap an entire Challenge Cup tournament featuring the Chicago Red Stars? Question mark? So much stuff here, guys. There is a cup final that we have to discuss in which the Chicago Red Stars did participate in and the outcome of which was not one that we wanted to talk about. But like we always do, we're going to do it anyway. There's a lot to go through here in between the lines, outside of the lines. And I'm going to do it with my friend, homie, and colleague, a.k.a. Scam Originator, Claire Watkins. How you doing, there, Claire? I am doing remarkably okay today. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe it would be another day of not doing too great, but that's not true. I remembered that no one can do anything alone, and that relief is a beautiful thing. Not unlike the Chicago Red Stars, I was very grateful this morning that all of this was over. May we take all our cues from the players that we from, cover. From Miss Sarah Gordon herself. <laughs> Cheers. Gotta bring that good astrology energy with you always. That's right. Guys, we're gonna have a little bit of a lengthier episode for you all today because we have to cover a final Red Stars game in the Challenge Cup, which, man, we got to cover a lot of them, right? And we also want to take some time to reflect on the tournament holistically uh, because there were, again, a lot of games and a lot of things that happened, and we just want to go over all that stuff with you guys. So we hope you'll buckle in and uh, enjoy this ride with us. Uh, there's nothing I love more than chatting about this stuff with, with Claire, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. Uh, I would like to also just say that I'm going to do this at the end of the episode, but I also want to do it in front of this episode in case you don't make it to the end, that there's uh, a lot of folks out there who have been riding with us for this journey for quite some time. And there's some new folks that actually came along during this ride because they looked at us and they looked at our coverage and they thought there was something there of value. And that feels really nice at the end of the day. So this episode, more than all of the other episodes, is for all y'all. So we appreciate it. Uh, let's get into some storylines, Claire. What do you think? Yeah. Um, a big theme for me with all of this, uh, not only with the game itself, but, but with the entire tournament, is um, the, thing that, the thing that I found myself wrestling with a lot uh, is kind of the, the narrative of the whole thing. And I think, I think both Sandra and I have, have alluded to this in previous episodes, which is that um, the narrative, and I think I'm going to say this a lot and I promise it's really not a cop out, but you have, there's, there's two different narratives going on in this tournament uh, league wide. Uh, one being that there are some teams that came here to win. And there are some teams that came here to do something a little bit muddier than that. They came here to play. They came here to learn. Uh, and I think that uh, in, in a way, and we'll talk about this too, um, we'll get into the game. But holistically, uh, one of the teams that came here to win won. And I think that that's, that's a valuable thing to say off the top. Um, 
But yeah, the Chicago Red Stars found themselves in a final when I'm not sure they actually, or at least they're from the narrative of their coaching staff, or did not entirely intend to. Um, and then we were left with a game that had 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 maybe two different philosophies to it, uh, which was a little bit hard to swallow, ultimately. Um, and so we're left with kind of a lot of things, a lot of pieces to maybe pick up in the aftermath of that. We're going to do our best to do that with each other and with everyone. Um, just some other quick additional game day specific storylines. Uh, there were tons of them, guys, but really the main ones were that the Houston Dash uh, had set out a goal for themselves and really wanted to utilize this tournament as a bit of a showing and a bit of a warning, maybe put some of the league on notice in terms of the things that they've been working on collectively as a team. Uh, wanted to compete and show that they could hang with teams in the league and kind of show off the team culture that they've been working so hard to build over the last year or so. And that it was really the first opportunity for the Houston Dash to break a lot of franchise firsts, you know, getting into a, a playoff environment in an NWSL competition. They did that. Uh, win a playoff <laughs> competition and uh, come home with a title of some sort. So all of that was kind of, you know, going around in terms of storylines for them. And for uh, Chicago, it was, you know, taking a look at the roster and seeing how they utilized their tournament, uh, seeing what was, you know, who was really left standing towards the end of this tournament because, uh, you know, they saw their fair share of bumps and bruises along the way. And uh, that played into – this final and, and how they ended up having to line up. Um, there was, you know, talk about players on both sides of the pitch, you know, playing for against a former team and, and so to speak, and all that stuff was, you know, played up naturally, you know, with amongst media outlets and stuff like that. So uh, let's get into these starting 11s and get our actual fleshed out thoughts. We're going to go with the, the team that uh, we podcast about, even though they were technically the visiting side, we're going to talk about how the Red Stars lined up. They started out as followed. They had Alyssa Nair and Net, Bianca St. George's, Juilliard, Sarah Gordon, Kayla Sharples to round out that back line. They had Savannah McCaskill, <laughs> Danny Colaprico, Vanessa DiBernardo, Katie Johnson, Kalia Watt, and Rachel Hill. Claire, if you'll allow me, I think I had some of these players in my preview on Southside Trap. You were two. You you were two for two, semifinal and final. You were you had a one hundred percent hit rate uh, of the starting eleven. I think Sandra might know this team pretty well. No, the thought that I had uh, when you said that Chicago was technically the visiting side, um, which I hadn't, which just struck me just now, um, is I guess again this tournament, you guys. It's all made up and the points don't matter. I appreciate that both teams got to wear their home jerseys during that game. That it rules beautifully. It was an aesthetically pleasing final. That's really nice, actually, and that's something that that you don't get a lot um, in normal league play. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about how great it would be if Portland and Chicago could play each other on their home jerseys, but some teams feel very strongly that a team should have that part of the away experience is that a team should have to wear their away jersey, and um, I, I just think it's really nice that because they truly were on a neutral field. They both got to wear. Well, it's like Chicago had to wear their away jersey at the final last year, and, and that was kind of a bummer too. So um, 
yeah, so I think that uh, I, I very much appreciate that both teams got to f- wear their home jerseys and really represent aesthetically what they were doing um, during this game. Uh, the, the, the lineup itself, I think, um, was not unexpected. I mean, we, we had heard that Casey Short was out the day before, um, and, and everyone else on the field had, had been established pretty much as, as the choice, you know, starters with what was available. Um, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about left back versus right back, but in terms of the actual personnel, I think it made a lot of sense. Um. We saw Zoe Goralski play a really good about 60 minutes against Sky Blue, but then struggled a little bit um, after that. So starting somebody else who has a similar skill set made a lot of sense. Uh, and and with, with the idea that, and I think we kind of saw this play out in the game, that between the two of them, Sharples and Goralski could put in a very solid 90 minutes together as opposed to putting a lot of emphasis on, on just one player to do that for the whole game. I um I did like this starting eleven. These were the, the players that I if you are a subscriber to our Patreon at the five dollar yeah. level, of course, you have access to these types of things. Previews and recaps from me and Claire. And uh this was what I felt was going to be potentially the stronger starting eleven for the team, all things considered, you know. Uh, because they'd had a handful of actual starting players on the bench and really even who we consider probably an impact player in Ella Stevens on the bench as well. And um, while I look at this roster and I thought this could probably get it done, uh, not necessarily maybe where I would have thought they would have started. Uh, There were some positional things here that we'll obviously get into over the course of the match. But just looking at it from the jump, when you get that starting graphic, you say, oh, yeah. And I think you and I – had the same reaction. It was to, to notice that Kayla Sharples had shown enough in this tournament to task her with that responsibility in, in getting a start. So congrats, shout out to her. For the Houston Dash, the opponents on this day, they lined up as followed. Yeah, Jane Campbell and that, Alyssa Chapman, Katie Naughton, Megan Oyster, Haley Hansen, Christy Mewis, Sophie Schmidt, Shay Groom, Brie Vasali. Uh, Nichelle Prince and Rachel Daly starting out that starting 11 and got a camp front. Uh, When I saw that starting 11 for Houston Dash, I had some very similar feelings. I said, man, this is also a starting 11 that could absolutely get it done. Uh, In particular, seeing players like Nichelle Prince and Brie Vasali, players who I felt uh, when head coach James Clarkson went and made his adjustments for his team moving forward, seeing, uh, you know, the the confidence that he had in starting a player like Brie Vissali and inserting a player like Nichelle Prince, who had been working her way back uh, from injury and just sort of giving her the green light for the remainder of the tournament. I just thought, man, these are some players up top who can maybe give that back line some struggles. What do you think of this starting 11? Yeah, I mean, a thing that we're going to probably be talking about a lot is that um... – the Houston Dash has a lot of narrative, actually, as opposed to Chicago, where um, some of that being that Megan Oyster got injured quite bad in the quarterfinal against Utah. Um, they, I believe, had her playing in some sort of a protective vest 
to uh, make sure that her torso is going to be okay because she had some broken ribs or fractured ribs. So basically for her, it was a, an element of pain management for the most part where they were able to make sure she was going to be safe, but it was more just about how much she could take there. Um, Breva Sally uh, also had a knock from the semifinal against Portland. She was able to go for the final. And then, yeah, Nichelle Prince, um, her journey through this tournament, she she lost her father actually like right before this tournament started and wanted to be with the team, um, wanted to be part of this journey with them, but was not, you know, ready to be playing games with them until later in the group stage and later in the knockout stage. And when she came back, she also was coming back from injury. She had knee surgery after the world cup last year, playing with them for, for Canada. Um, so it was a multiple, it was like a, it was a, a, a bunch of different things going on with her, which is that um, she's coming back from injury. She's dealing with something very um, significant emotionally. Um, and, and in fact, I think has found, you know, she has said that, that being with the team and playing with the team has been really helpful for her and useful for her during this time and she's been great for them and, and we'll talk about this when we get to the actual game which is the a thing that Houston kind of had in this game and in this tournament that they didn't necessarily have next year or last year in addition to a variety of other things is that they had two very significant threats on the wings in Prince on one side and Mewis on the other um, and so that gave them more support to what Rachel Daly has been trying to do in the middle for a long time. Yeah, it's, um, we're going to get into this now as we discuss this game, because uh, we're Chicago Red Stars podcast, and of course we intend to talk about how the Red Stars performed yes. in this match. Um, but we did want to take the time in the starting 11s to kind of acknowledge and pay our respective peace to Houston Dash, uh, because really they were quite the team to follow and watch and cover during this tournament. And um, watching what they did, you couldn't help but admire the energy and the vibe that they were bringing. It was, in fact, actually infectious and contagious. And uh, I'm here for anybody who wants to uh, celebrate the Chicago Red Stars and celebrate the league when the opportunity presents itself. Yeah, I think also just one of the unfortunate realities of analyzing a game like this one, and I actually find this regularly, that I, I get in the most trouble, actually, when you have these games where um, you, if, if, if I don't personally feel like Chicago executed that well, the, the only thing you can really talk about is what the other team did. Because, because there's not a lot to say about the in effort in futility or in or in lack of um, execution for one side. So you start talking about what the other side is doing, um, and so I think that rationally, even we have to talk about how well the dash played in talking about what happened with Chicago. Because I think you know if the dash had played worse it would be a different conversation or perhaps even a different result, but they didn't, they played quite well and, and Chicago didn't actually rise to that occasion. So um, I think that it, outside of, you know, being happy for Houston, it's just a reality. I found myself, I watched this game so closely because I was like, 
it's, I don't, I want to properly represent what is not happening on Chicago's side and how much of that is because of what Houston did well and how much of that is because of what Chicago did poorly. Um, and it's actually a disservice to Chicago to act like Houston didn't earn this because if we came on here and said, you know, Houston is, you know, they're not good enough or it was a fluke or whatever, like that's actually disrespectful to Chicago because they played a good team that played well. And, and there's an element of respect to that that is absolutely necessary in talking about this game. Absolutely no dishonor in losing to a team that played a better than you on that day. And the Chicago Red Stars did, unfortunately, lose this game 2-0 to Houston Dash. Claire, we got to kick it off. First half, we jump into some stuff really, really early this game. Red Stars kick off. We see them, uh, you know, have their – new players and new positions and new roles on the pitch. And uh, we see Christy Mewis of the Houston Dash get on the end of a ball rather quickly and go to work, just go to work. Uh, ends up beating Kayla Sharples onto the inside of the box. And Kayla Sharple challenges a little bit. We see some contact. Uh, but I think there's a moment there where you remember Oh, I'm watching the NWSL, and these are pro referees, and that's not going to get called, except it did get called. First penalty of the tournament, baby! Of course. Congrats to the Chicago Red Stars. You did walk away with a first. Chrissy Mewis earns the penalty kick, and the ball is placed at the point. And Rachel Daly does her very first bit of captaining in this game and asks Sophie Smith to take this penalty kick and Canadian international Sophie Smith steps up to this point player with a lot of experience player who maybe for the dash throughout this tournament had some mixed performances but not on this day on this day this veteran had the best game of the tournament saved it for this cup final and started it by executing a penalty kick and boy did she execute it it just looked it just looked flawless confidence well placed and in the back of the net and very very quickly and very similarly the red stars were down early in a final in the fifth minute claire speak on it a little bit yeah i mean i think we need to parse out a couple different things i mean one thing being that um the the experience that everyone in the NWSL has had with penalties during this tournament has actually been incredibly valuable for them. Um, I can't actually pretend that I'm like too bummed out that NWSL players are getting better at taking penalties. I think it's a good skill to have. Um, no, what happened so like primarily happened very quickly in the game when the ball was being really kind of punted around, just kind of feeling each other out. Um, I said, that to, I said this to Sandra before we started. I said, um, I, it reminded me, going back to the highlights, it reminded me of the penalty that Katie Naughton gave up against Portland in April of last year, where I think it's not... Well, actually, it does and it doesn't, because, because that penalty was, was, a, was something where a player was very clearly intentionally trying to do something i'm not sure the actual physicality I, it was a penalty it, it was but but the physicality of that moment with sharples i don't think she was really trying to do what she did i think that 
Christy Muis has been playing soccer for a very long time and felt that contact and knew exactly what to do. Um, I think Sharples got hung out to dry a little bit in that moment. And I think that um, it was a combination of a lot of different things. I don't think, I don't think you can blame Kayla Sharples for that penalty more than you can blame Katie Johnson for getting a red card against Vero in Utah. You know, it's just things that happen. And what, what you got something to say? It's like, bitch, it's almost like you cover the red stars. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It just, just does coming out here with these happen. examples. Yeah. And I'm like, look at Claire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I think that, I think it was quick. I think, I think quickly it, it was easy to fall into this idea of like, Oh, they attacked the weak spot or whatever. And like, you know, yes. Has Sharples started it outside back for Chicago during this tournament? No. Is she capable in that role? Absolutely. Did what happened have to do with her skill set? No. <laughs> it just happened. And 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 that is it, you know, these games are wacky and they're weird. And I think that it's unfortunate that it went down the way that it did because I think it's very easy to draw conclusions that that moment did not earn. Despite the fact that, like, what happened was real. It, it Mewis drew a penalty, for sure. But why did Mewis have that much space? Who was giving a recovery run there? What decision did Sharples feel like she have to make? And also just, like, she clipped her. Mewis went down. The ref called a foul. It, called. it just it got, got called. called. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's soccer, baby. Um, I was glad to hear uh, head coach Roy Dames comment on it. You know, he put it best when he said, that one play doesn't make her a bad player. That's not what that means at all. And uh, it's true. I mean, this is a, a player that really we've been covering since last preseason. A player that even when we went to the Invitational in 2019 that uh, we had had our eye on and that we had been high on ourselves, uh, eager to see more of what she can bring. And, and honestly, a tournament like the Challenge Cup is what provided it. Um, we saw Sharples in 2019 in very limited minutes, uh, but watching her run a game, watching her run a backline is a completely different story than some preseason-y type vibes or some fill-in-the-gap type of game minutes. So I enjoyed watching her performance uh, throughout this tournament, and it was unfortunate to see that that type of moment uh, did kind of happen on her watch because it's it's a big moment, and it's unfortunately maybe for a lot of other people who don't go here uh, their only moment. And uh, we're here to say that we know the truth, and uh, it was really good to actually see her response from that. And the Red Stars' response in general from that. Because the Red Stars, that's a really early uh, time to go down in a big game. And fortunately for the Red Stars, they're not a team that's unfamiliar to that moment. And uh, we actually saw them try to work themselves back into this match uh, rather early. Uh, the Red Stars probably had their best opportunity come shortly after that, maybe around, what was it, 14th minute or so. Uh, there was a shot that took place. Uh, Jane Campbell made a save that actually was a bit of a punch to ricochet and Savannah McCaskill found herself in the right place. Fortunately, there was just like an off, like just an awkward rebound and ricochet ball off of Jane Campbell, a lot of spin on it. Um, but still a lot of great stuff from McCaskill to just show her presence of mind, to try to get a, some type of body part on it, try to 
one, you know, chested down, but not being able to just because of, I don't know, physics, you know, and gravity and getting ahead on it and, and just not being able to get it in there. It's kind of going off of the post and out of play. And, uh, you know, yeah, of course, you wonder if that goes in, how that changes the game. Um, but it didn't. And even with that, the Red Stars didn't necessarily stop. We saw this team um, trying to get into dangerous spaces, and they did, actually. Uh, we saw them get into the final third a lot, but not necessarily uh, connect on goal, uh, get actual quality shot selections. Uh, but this is just a long-winded way of saying that the effort was absolutely there before the hydration break kicked in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is something that we saw echoed by Rory Dames and then even Julie Ertz and Savannah McCaskill after the game, which is that going down in that first half did not change the game plan, like, at all. And I think that's true. In fact, I think if it changed anything, it actually changed Houston more than it changed Chicago. Um, and so if you're, looking, if you're looking for an indictment perhaps of the first half it should be less in the concession early and more in the fact that they weren't able to equalize afterwards um because i don't think anything they did was actually a response to going down i think they were just really trying to execute their game plan and do what they thought they could do and and i think again it is just the thing where i think I'm not sure actually the critique of Chicago during this game is different than the critique of the OL rain game. Like it's just, if you're flowing and you're moving, why isn't this turning into quality shots? You know, if you're getting into dangerous areas, why are we not seeing more shots on goal? Um, yeah. McCaskill had that great opportunity, but that was quite frankly off of a keeper error. Uh, Campbell should have say, she should have caught it. Um, the fact that she didn't left open a, a real opportunity, it would have been better in the context of a final. Absolutely. If, if McCaskill had made that, but um, if we're talking about the process, which we are, um, the story of this game is not, the goals that Chicago conceded because they gave up one, a, a penalty early and then a fully stretched, you know, closer at the very end. But it's more about what happened in between or what didn't happen in between. So yeah, they, they worked their way back in. Also Houston kind of collapsed, <laughs> like they kind of collapsed back in after scoring, um, which, you know, that's their own journey. God bless them. Uh, but yeah, they were not outside of that one moment, which again, I think had more to do with Campbell's uh, decision-making than anybody else's. Um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure that we saw Chicago able to implement in the final third uh, what they wanted to do, or certainly what they were able to do against uh, Sky Blue. Yeah, just a lot of a lot of good ideas, right? We'll just chalk it up to that. Yeah, Not, absolutely. Can't necessarily uh, say that the execution was there because I mean, hey, we know now that that it it wasn't. I mean, but there again, the effort was there. Uh, first hydration break, you felt like, well, if they can get there, maybe they'll talk about some things and readjust and how they feel. And that also actually ended up happening on Houston sides as well. And unfortunately, Chrissy Mewis had to come out early in this game for them. Devastating moment. You could just tell that she didn't want to come on out. Um, Might have tweaked something on that very, very early uh, opportunity when she earned the penalty kick. And uh, going into this, out of this hydration break, uh, she was off the pitch for Houston Dash. And uh, 
Kaiser came on in her place. So uh, you're talking about the final 15 and stoppage time into the half. And for a Houston Dash team that was really tasked with something that they hadn't been tasked with prior in the tournament, which is, you know, having to sustain a lead very, very early against another good team. They were doing okay, you know, in terms of getting into uh, the halftime. They kind of stole back some of that momentum that Chicago had won back from that early goal and got on a couple of corner kicks themselves. And, you know, if you've watched this team for a long time, I'm sure that was very nerve-wracking for you, watching some of the set-piece defending ahead of a halftime in a finals match. But this game for uh, halftime did end up just 1-0. And you still maybe kind of felt the Red Stars having worked themselves back into this game had a ton of opportunity in front of them to really try and, and make something out of it. So for, for halftime, you have these two teams come on back out. We don't necessarily see uh, a ton of uh, halftime subs for either side here. They end up rolling the dice with who they went into <laughs> the locker room with. And, you know, for the first, what, 20 minutes or so of this half, kind of ends up picking back up where it was initially. I think we ended up seeing Houston clearly having some conversation about what they didn't do enough of after they went up early. Um, because I think for a lot of teams in a big game like that, maybe for ones that haven't had a lot of experience in a big game like that, I think an initial response, and we've seen it from a team like, oh, I don't know, North Carolina, kind of go up early and then want to continue to do a murder. Uh, whereas maybe if you're a first-time team like Houston Dash, you go up early and you maybe still try to fall in line with your game plan a little bit, uh, which allowed Chicago to kind of fall in line with theirs. And then in turn, we saw Houston Dash still trying to come back and like maybe try to build on, on what they were, were doing there because the Red Stars were able to come out of the half and still try to press for a goal. I mean, we saw Savannah McCaskill come out right away uh, with an attempt, you know, and, and they've earned a few corner kicks and naturally uh, maybe not played in the best kind of way. There was some opportunity there in terms of set pieces that we didn't see, you know, come converted. Uh, but eventually we saw Houston uh, start to do some things offensively. Right. Um, yeah. I, I If I could, the, the momentum of this game definitely um, maybe started very early Houston. Chicago had a very good patch going into halftime, but also Houston adjusted right before halftime. I think from minutes maybe 50 to 70, Chicago really had the run of play. Like they had a really good stretch um, at the beginning of the second half. And then Houston adjusted again. And I, and I think that this is something that we, we talked about a little bit in, in the Sky Blue episode, but also just – Again, feels like a cop-out, but it's just true. Um, the only team that annihilate, that truly just like annihilated Houston in this tournament were the Washington Spirit. And the way they were able to do that was through possession-based soccer, and they were able to pass around um, what Houston wanted to do. Chicago also has the ability to do that. And I'm actually not delegitimizing the way that they played against Sky Blue or what they were able to do or try to do in the final, but one of the things that they can do 
is that kind of possession-based soccer, but it can't be done um, missing the players that they were missing. And so I think that, unfortunately, even just beginning this game, and this, again, has nothing to do with the, the defense so much as to doing with the midfield and the, the forwards, which is just that um, there's, there's a clear answer, actually, to what Houston did. <laughs> the Red Stars just couldn't do it with the people that they had. And so they had to kind of play the dash at their own game. And it just meant that they had to concede some terms of this entire match um, that I think if they had everyone available, they wouldn't have had to concede, which, which doesn't mean that we shouldn't kind of analyze those performances on their own, but it, it just should be said that there is a very clear tactical way to overcome what Houston was trying to do. But unfortunately, Chicago more just had to really kind of meet Houston where they were at, um, which is why, again, they had better looks from 50 to 70. But after 70, and this also just has to do with the mental game state, I think Houston really turned it on. I think they were like, we're going to do this. We're going to win this. We've weathered the storm. Um, but also, for a long time, Chicago also kind of weathered the storm because there there were some defensive moments there that that required a lot of very good spatial awareness. And um, I maintain that Chicago's defense actually did quite well um, for the most part in in dealing with that, um, despite the fact. And I feel like before we end before we end kind of the game analysis, like I I want to say that um, I think putting Bianca and George on the left. Uh, with Kalia Watt on the right uh, was not conducive to uh, building on the chemistry that was already kind of established, not only between those two players, but also between those two players and Savannah McCaskill. It really seemed like starting back at square one uh, when it came to spatial awareness. And, and in that regard, a lot of the offensive output was siphoned into one or two players. And that obviously renders an offense predictable. Um, and it, I just want to say that mostly as an offensive issue as opposed to a defensive one, because I really do think the defense did pretty well for much of this game. Yeah, absolutely. And um, hands down, like you said, 50 to 60 was probably a lot of good moments for absolutely for Red Stars. I mean, 50 to 70. I mean, again, Savannah McCaskill, she had a great game. She really did, training. yeah. We're, we're going to yeah. get into some more individual, like individual-specific performances, guys. But But to recap – um, again, she had another really great opportunity on goal, and this one came off of a set piece, a free kick set it's piece. Really it was good, that was, yeah. That was earned, and um, it was so good. This opportunity that Savannah McCaskill took, I mean, you're talking about a shot that just didn't have enough dip on the chip and uh, went off the post in a combination of Jane Campbell's fingertip, let's just say. And it was so good that Jane Campbell and Juliet had to hug it out. They did. That's how, yeah. that's how good it was. Yeah. Um, you know, that's just the type of game. That's just the vibe that it ended up starting to become. I mean, and I think you started to see that shift that if the Dash really kind of wanted to win this game, they really are, ended up having to go toe-to-toe with the Chicago Red Stars because the Red Stars were not going away. By, by not any. at all. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we saw the substitutions really start to take place after that uh, free kick opportunity, which was like in the 67th, 66th minute. Uh, we saw Kayla Sharples come off 
and Zoe Garofsky make her way on. Uh, you know, we ended up seeing after the uh, hydration break period where Chicago was, again, still looking good heading into that break. Uh, Riva Sali came off for the dash. You had Veronica Lasko come on. And then we saw Katie Johnson and Savannah McCaskill come off for a little of a positional change, right? Because at this point, the game is still 1-1 and anything can maybe happen, but you got to try to take your shot. So we saw Mackenzie Doniak and Zoe Morse come on for two players who were having a game McCaskill and Johnson. And what this did was it allowed Julie Ertz to move up a bit higher in light of Zoe Morse uh, coming on to the pitch. Right. Tactically, it made a lot of sense in that um, – so one of the things that Houston did well is they had Rachel Daly marking Julie Ertz very closely. Like part of actually part of Houston's offensive tactics was to mark like the, the, the cornerstone center back and render her useless, not only in defense, but also in distribution. Um, and they were doing that quite well. And, uh, so, so taking Ertz out of that role, um, made a lot of sense. And then also when you look at the injuries to Chicago's roster and, and who you might look to as a playmaker, Ertz makes sense. Um, in, in that moment, you know, in true, just like last ditch finals moment. Um, I, yes, I think that that, 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 definitely made a lot of sense. I mean, obviously it probably ultimately contributed to Houston's second goal, but I can't really fault the red stars for doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that Sandra's doing a really good job of, of talking about how Chicago never went away. And that is 100% true. They were in it the whole time. Um, but I, I do just think a little bit that, the unfortunate thing is that in these kinds of games, when the other team is playing quite well, maybe if the other team's playing a little bit less well, it doesn't matter quite so much. But when what you have available to you tactically is limited, they can prepare for it. And I think that it, it doesn't discount athletically or mentally what the players on the field were doing. But when you only have a couple kind of things in your back pocket, um, especially in knockout soccer and in a knockout final, other teams can plan. And it just worked out enough in Houston's favor that, that Chicago only had so many ideas going forward. Um, you know, they, they sent the ball to Rachel Hill a lot. Um, I'm sure that that is something that Chicago would like to be a little bit more balanced in the future. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, sending Ertz up makes a lot of sense, but it also is just indicative of Chicago only really having available to them what they had available. And it sucks to watch in the moment, but it also just kind of is what it is, you know? I um Watching this game go down in the final minutes, uh, watching the substitution that was made, I mean, you got to – guys – Take a, you got to make a shot. You got to take a shot, right? So that's ultimately what I think we saw going down here. We saw the substitution made. We saw a little bit of a positional change, and Houston Dash recognized it. You had Rachel Daly, who has been doing a very good job all game of doing her job, ended up finding 
a very wide open with plenty of space in front of her Shea Groom. And while maybe there could have been a plea made for offside, not on this day. And looking at it, I'm in agreement with that. It was a great ball through. It was a great run that was held. And you got to give credit where credit is due. Both players did their job. And this game got put away. Got a second goal up in stoppage time. And that was really all she wrote. It's one thing to ask for a goal, an equalizer goal in stoppage time minutes. It's a whole lot of work to ask for two. And the Houston Dash started feeling it, and they absolutely closed this game out. And congratulations to them. Houston did indeed hold it down, and they won themselves their very first NWSL title for their franchise. And you know what? Congratulations to them. I think maybe this is me perhaps as the competitive person that I am, but I, I don't know why, but just like that people will disagree with me on this, but I conceding the second goal didn't actually feel worse to me. It felt almost better because don't make it be a PK in the fifth minute that you lost to like, like make it be something like cool and fun. And like, I, I, I understand I, 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 I did not want this to go the way that it did, but if you're just like looking at this game, to me, it feels worse to have someone score a penalty kick on you in the fifth minute, and then you can't do anything about it for the next 85 than have just things get stretched and they just get to, they seal it, you know, and it just at least feels a little bit more conclusive. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, if I'm going to lose, I want to actually lose. And yeah. that is how I feel about this a little bit. Um, you know, bring me down swing in. I don't know. It just, I, I just wanted, it needed to be for me not the only narrative not being that Chicago couldn't score because also they couldn't score. <laughs> so it didn't matter <laughs> that Houston scored again because yeah. it was going to be one zero or two zero anyway. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Before we, I mean, really sort of sink our teeth into um, the individual performances and we were talking a little bit about it already in terms of, um, storylines and narratives uh, built into and around through during up until the end of this game really just about um, really what it all means right so what does it all mean that a the Houston Dash won this challenge cup final and b that maybe the Red Stars found themselves in a place where they didn't expect themselves to be. And I'll throw in letter C and say that looking at this team's performance, yeah, throughout the tournament, but just specifically on this game, and knowing that there were, what we said, three starters on the bench, and we can actually expand that if we're talking about players like Alyssa Motts, if we're talking about players like Aaron Wright, who were not available for this tournament to begin with, um, what type of final this may have been uh, for the Red Stars. But 
looking at the lineup that you had in front of you, I thought it was the best performance that that lineup could have given on that day. And I think that that's something to be really proud of, actually. Um, and I hope that they are. Um, the players, to my understanding, uh, who were made available in post game, um, echoed that, you know, they felt good about their game, didn't seem like there were any hard feelings. I was not unfortunately there for that because I had to do some post game for CBS. But, um, but what I saw being reported about it, it didn't seem as if players, uh, you know, were necessarily hanging their heads about that. Um, I think there were a number of players on both sides of the ball that obviously go into a final and they want to compete and they want to come home with the trophy. And on this day, it ended up uh, being Houston Dash. Yeah, I mean, yes. So this is where we get into the the larger conversation of the whole thing, and and I I want to acknowledge that I I am not going to pretend that anything that we're about to say or could say is going to be satisfying because ultimately Chicago made it to another final and they were outplayed and they lost, um, and that feels bad. Like it it just does. Um, it feels it feels bad for us. It feels bad for fans at home, probably first and foremost. You know, probably didn't feel great for the players. Uh, but yeah, it a thing about this tournament, and, and this is a larger conversation. But I think more than anything, we've seen this whole month that there is a sometimes a disconnect between kind of the mantra of the organizations themselves and what their fans would like from them. And I don't know if it's helpful or useful to say that Chicago is not alone in this, but they're not. Um, you know, the questions that fans had at the end of this final for Chicago are the same ones that people had for Sky Blue in the semifinal, that they had for Portland in the semifinal, that they had for North Carolina in the quarterfinal. Um, nobody but the dash actually got to walk away from this feeling great. That's just true. Um, and that's the nature of this kind of a tournament. Uh, and so I think that this is where we have to have a larger conversation about Chicago came in with a plan and kind of accidentally through their own culture and quality made it all the way to the final. Um, and then do we still accept the game plan from the beginning in a final when everyone else is telling you that this is it. Um, and I don't actually know the answer to that. I think that if you are a fan that's very frustrated by this game, you should be. It was a frustrating game. I think that if, if you are a fan who feels better knowing that this is all part of a larger plan, you should be. It is. Um, it's hard when it's happening on CBS and you don't get to go see anybody about it or talk to anybody about it and you're dealing with it online and the other team has a narrative and your team does not. That's hard, man. It was hard for us. I know it was hard for everybody else. Um, and and I don't I don't actually have like an answer. I don't have a conclusion to this um, at all. 
other than saying that, yes, this game mattered. It clearly mattered more to one side. I don't think it's disrespectful to say that. Um, I think that what happened this month will help Chicago immensely during what is going to be the first of, I believe, many expansion drafts in this offseason. They got to explore not only maybe their 14 to 18 best players, but also their best 28 available to them. Um, I think that if Chicago had come here to win, different people might have played in this last game. And I'm not going to go so far as to say that I feel like Chicago was wrong not to play those players. Um, Does it feel bad at the end of this journey to have it end in another loss, especially understanding the way that those narratives get grasped on by people? Sure. It sucks. It feels really bad. Um, But I hope that we're maybe here to give a more nuanced look at that. And within that, I hope that like we can talk about the things that we're excited about and have people know that we're being honest about that because there are a lot of things to be really excited about coming out of this tournament. 100%. I think it's not unfair to sit here and say, man, losing again sucks. Feels real bad. Real bad. It feels real bad. Losing in a pandemic where everything feels so uncertain probably feels worse. Um, especially when maybe you don't have anywhere to put that or you don't have anywhere to go with that. I know that we had expressed prior to this final our own bad feelings about the team heading into this final, but also as just people, man, who cover this team. Selfishly, it hurt to not be able to be together and cover this team in another final, uh, something that we've been doing extensively for some time now. You guys have been, so a lot of you guys have been along for this ride for a while, and you know that I've covered a number of semifinals. You know that we've covered the number of finals, and more specifically, that we went to North Carolina and we covered that final last year. And I think that if somehow, some way, there was a season that looked a certain type of way, and the Chicago Red Stars found themselves in whatever final it looked like, we probably would have found a way again because that's how we're built. And that's how we're made. And uh, selfishly, to not be able to have that experience, even if it's a losing experience, kind of sucked. It sucked to not have my homies um, to go through this with me and be able to cover um, this type of thing. Um, I'll be frank and vulnerable and put it on there. The best thing, the best moment for me last year covering a loss that probably felt worse than this one was standing in the stands with Claire and John hugging each other and watching that amazing team get their runner up finish medals. It felt great. It felt definitely less bad. 
And um, I am very proud to cover this team. And anybody who has the impression that it sucks to lose in semifinals or finals, and it sucks to cover a team or root for a team or support a team that may not have the best record in the playoffs, has never been there and doesn't know what it's like. Because I feel very fortunate to be able to cover a team as extensively as I have with the type of history that they have. I feel very fortunate because there's not a lot of teams that are able to make it to these opportunities. And I would always, always choose these experiences over never having experienced them at all. Yeah, it's a complicated thing, right? Where um, does this game feel worse because it's a final? Yeah. Um, would the quote unquote better thing to do to have lost earlier? Like, no, <laughs> like it's, it, it's hard. It is hard because again, it just turns into this thing where, where it gets very much turned into like, can they do it? Can they not do it? Um, and it's only because they make it this far because of the quality that they have. There were other teams in this tournament that were on rebuilds or were actually not on rebuilds at all that didn't make it to this point. Um, and I do feel a little bit possessive of saying, like, I think the greater equivalence of quality on this particular game, especially in this tournament, is unfair. Um, and if anybody else would like to talk about it, their team should make it to the game. Um, but they didn't. So, uh, yeah, I don't think that I'm here for a lot of chatter about that. Um, but for the Chicago fans, and, and Sandra and I are very mindful of this, and, and I've been, it, we've been so open about how this has been hard for us, even before the game got played. Some, some of the things that, that we saw is we felt on Sunday how bad this felt um we saw it and 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 we felt it and we do not want to delegitimize that in any way and it is hard when everything else is so hard to emotionally take something like that on um and i, I this is another thing that i'm not sure i have an answer for other than to just reaffirm that only two teams made it to that game. The Chicago Red Stars were one of those teams. The Chicago Red Stars did it in the face of an injury report that was just as bad as everybody else's. And I think in a way, it is easier to walk away with excuses when you lose earlier. And I do not want the Red Stars to have to carry the burden of their own success here um, because that's unfair. And I, I just do without, again, without delegitimizing anything that Houston did because I don't want to. I think that 
we have to be very careful not to get carried away with this. Um, because the fact that this tournament only happened online and only happened on social media with no person-to-person communication between us and the team, between us and each other, has put all of us through the ringer. And it's okay. What happened this weekend was okay. And they get to come home and we start again soon-ish, whenever. But it's going to be, whatever we do next is going to be better than what we just did. So I just want to take that, all of that very seriously. Um, And also just acknowledge that it's hard when a fan base wants a thing that is not necessarily the professed mission of the team. Um, And that's a burden that the fan base has to bear. And I think that there's a lot of different ways to respond to that. I know us as media feel very caught in the middle of it where we want to accurately reflect where the team is at while also serve the fans. Um, But yeah, there's a lot out of everybody's control, I guess is maybe what I'm saying. And that we should all just be nice to each other because we've all only got our little patch of grass in this world. And uh, in retrospect, they did wonderfully. We got to see them play seven, Seven games. Seven games against every other team in the league. That's so wonderful. We spoke about when we were this is when we were living in the unknown, but we spoke about what would the NWSL look like this year if we even got NWSL soccer this year. And it turns out we got it in the form of a tournament with eight teams not nine, unfortunately, without, you know, any type of ridiculous headlines that we've been seeing coming out of other professional sports leagues. This is a tournament that should feel, you know, very accomplished, and I'm sure the league does, and they should be very proud of it and talking about it at every turn. And the Red Stars are one of the two teams that got to be there for every single moment of it. And as content creators, you can't help but feel a sense of pride over that. We got to cover this team extensively instead of in a limited capacity. We have been waiting for so long and wondering so often if that was ever going to happen, and it happened, and it was great, man. Yeah, I mean, I think, Perhaps my my final thought on this is that I hope that whatever grief Chicago fans feel today is not disproportionate to the grief that they felt in March when we thought we weren't going to get this at all. Because what I feel is that what we got is so much more than that. So please do not let the bad feelings about this game override how we were all feeling when we thought we weren't going to get them at all, because that's not fair to you and it's not fair to the team and it's not fair to the success that they had because we were facing a lost season and instead we got the red stars back 
in a championship final after five weeks. And that's very special. And yeah, it sucked that they lost. Yeah. But I, I don't have it in me to act like this is worse than not getting them at all. I don't believe that. I don't believe that for one second. It's not how we roll here. It's not how we roll here. We love the Red Stars. Rain or shine, baby. That's how we we do. We're going to, of course, wrap this up by talking about some more of those good things. We want to talk a little bit about individual performances, guys, because, again, we got to cover this thing over seven games over the course of a month. There was so much there. Um, And we got to see – we're talking about individual performances. We got to see so many of them. The Red Stars were one of a handful of teams that went into this tournament utilizing it in a very specific way. And we got to see so many players put on the jersey and represent the club and really show us what they got. And while maybe that was frustrating in some areas for some people who were looking for things. We have always been pretty honest in how we were going uh, to cover this tournament. I mean, you might have heard me or <laughs> refer to it as fake or pretend because it's hard, guys, to uh, sit there and be tasked with the responsibility of analyzing or critiquing a performance when you know all of the things that have been going on ahead of those performances because you've been living them yourself. We're talking about a team that had to go through a very long period of self-isolating, quarantining, practicing social distancing, just like so many of us out there, number one. They had to deal with and go through, more specifically, the very deep and complex issues that were affecting this country and more specifically this city when it comes to saving and protecting black life in Chicago. Yeah. My, my only, only interjection there is I I don't think we want to talk about this a ton, but um, saying that uh, if only if you are personally feeling very conflicted about what you saw from Chicago in, in this, in that regard, in these games, you can only imagine what the players themselves are feeling, right? So exhausted. if you, yeah, just completely exhausted. Yep. Mentally and physically. We heard that talked about a lot from all the teams during this time. And also, specifically to Chicago, one of my storylines that I was looking at ahead of this game, along with everything else, it was the fact that if Chicago came out on top in this game, they were going to be the team that did it on the shortest preseason that took place over the course of three different states because of the way they had to constantly follow city and state guidelines involving COVID-19. It was, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the type of journey that was, and I am someone who has been privileged to have interviews and conversations with many players, not just Chicago players, about that and how taxing that type of quote-unquote preseason was. Because, again, it was kind of fake. It was very, very difficult uh, for them to get through. So the fact that this team 
accomplish what they accomplish in this challenge cup being able to get through a group stage right playing all different kinds of players not really giving themselves time to establish that chemistry like maybe you would over the course of a preseason over the course of maybe the first three to four weeks of a season because we all watch NWSL and we know how hard those first four weeks of the season can be for teams to really get going uh it's something to be celebrated. Uh, some personal uh, individual performances that I really enjoyed throughout this tournament. My favorite game of this tournament probably was that Portland Thorns game. I absolutely loved seeing Danny Colaprico leave a bunch of rookies and second year Red Stars in a game against Christine Sinclair and Lindsay Horan and Rocky Rodriguez and Emily Menges. And uh, it was a scoreless draw, but to see these players come out and do what they did was so dope. I mean, you want to talk about having an opportunity to do some individual evaluations. I think the coaching staff really were given some things to look at and chew on from some of these players. Yeah, I mean, I think um, perhaps for me, the the best encapsulation of this whole thing is that the Red Stars came in with a complicated plan, you know, but it's because of who they are as a club that they did so well. So if you want to know who the Red Stars are, you look at Bianca and George, you look at Ellis Stevens, you look at Kayla Sharples, you look at Hannah Davison. Um, those they are who the Red Stars are, and that is not something we would have seen without this tournament. We wouldn't have gotten to see it, um, and. I think I, I reject the idea that the Chicago Red Stars culture means that they cannot win things because it means that they win things all the time. Yeah, I echo that, homie. Um, I think that's collectively our biggest takeaways is, is being able to go back and have really – so many of these games to look at when it comes to talking about individual performances. And we're just really just so proud of being able to see the, that type of stuff out of those types of players. And honestly, to be quite frank, being reminded of how much of a fucking badass Sarah Gordon and Casey Short are. For real, man. Yeah. The baddest bitches on the planet and the also ba- also feel it's important to say that um sarah gordon's work that i know she is that she is planning to continue would not have the platform that it does without this tournament and without how fabulously she played the whole time um and this is again where you just have to look at that as a platform for opportunity and for growth in the future and we got to celebrate Sarah Gordon and we got to celebrate best 11 making Casey short. Um, 
yeah, and we also just got to learn some things about that club culture that are valuable. This team made it all the way to the final when maybe they thought somewhere along the way they wouldn't themselves. This team got to play literally like every single person that they brought to this tournament. Yep. This team raised a ridiculous amount of money for South Side Community of Chicago that needs it. Over 15K. The supporters group of this team, Chicago Local 134, ignited a coffee angel revolution in this tournament. They sparked joy for literally their team that they support and quite frankly, everyone else's. And you love to see it. I loved the things that have come out of this tournament. And that is what I am celebrating. And that is that on that. Claire, do you have any other additional takes you would like to leave on this episode before we go? I'm, I'm really excited for all of the Red Stars that we talked to to get to eat the food that they wanted to eat after this tournament was over. I had that thought this morning. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited for Katie Johnson to get a small Cheval hamburger. I, I just can't wait that. for the... I don't care the Sharpers is at Portillo's that right, right now. now. RN, right now. <laughs> Go back and listen to those player interviews if you didn't get a chance to, guys. Uh, they're all live on streaming platforms. Uh, Claire, it's been real, man. I'm so glad I got to do this with you for so much longer than we could have hoped for. Uh, I don't know, man. What do the people got to do to stay engaged with you? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing is to uh, keep subscribing to the Patreon. Um, I've said this before, but um, with Patreon, it's a monthly subscription. So a payment at the beginning of the month gets you a full month's worth of rewards. We're not going anywhere. Um, we're going to engage with you guys a little bit. Definitely willing to, we're going to host some Q and A's. Uh, we're going to talk about the things that you guys want to talk about. Sandra has a fabulous piece coming out soon um, that I'm going to let her talk about. But um, yeah, I, I would say that I'll be vulnerable here for a second and say that um, in the way that everything is hard right now, a thing I'm, I'm not looking forward to is, is losing part of that audience because the tournament is over because we are committed to continuing the work as much as I understand circumstances and, and commitment for everybody but um we're here man and, and we're gonna keep talking about the red stars no matter what and uh good things are ahead i think really good things yeah i'm excited about it i'm incredibly grateful to everybody who's been riding with us from the beginning everybody who decided to hop on during this tournament uh, truly appreciate you so much. We went ahead and tweeted out a content, a bit of a content thread ahead of the final. And uh, while I'm very proud of the work that has been done here at Southside Trap, I'm even more proud of having done it with Claire specifically and reading all her work along the way. And we talked about how we've got 30 pieces of content for you all within the month. It's almost like you got something every single day when you think about that. We talked to several players. We talked to several coaches. So we did 
recap podcast. We did interview podcasts. We gave you previews. We gave you reviews. And in between, we gave you some thoughts and feelings about the team that we've come to cover so closely. So we do hope that moving forward, you will have seen the value of our work and that you will continue your support of Southside Trap via our patron. And uh, we just want you to know, as we've always let you know, that that's not always an option for everybody. And we here understand that completely. Uh, we hope that you continue your subscriptions with us. And if you haven't yet, please find a tier that works for you. There are several. And uh, if not, I also want you to know, uh, you know, that there's a number of ways you can support us. You can do that by following us on all social media channels at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You could do that at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And if you want, you can listen to us on streaming services like Spotify or iTunes. So give us a find, give us a like, rating, and review. That stuff helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to produce the best Chicago Red Stars content alive. So guys, thank you so much for joining us along this journey. We hope you will stay. Make sure you keep wearing a mask, you keep washing your hands, you keep staying safe out there and continue your support of Black Lives. And we'll be back as soon as we can with some more content for you guys.